Hi, good morning, church. Good morning, church. Great. Last time I was up here was exactly a year ago. Um, there are quite a number of faces uh, that I'm uh, meeting for the first time today. Uh, but before we, I proceed to introduce myself and my family, I'd like to say again, Happy Mother's Day to all our ladies here and will be mothers in the future. Um, years ago, where at CCC, I was attending like all the other guys now regularly at uh, Sunday breakfast. At that time, we had so-called Sunday school, even for the guys. And um, one of the mornings, uh, somebody asked a question. Uh, how do we love our children? Dearly. Anybody get, has an answer here? I like to have kind of an interactive kind of session here. Anybody has an answer? How, how do you love your children dearly? Time. Spending time with them, quality time. So a lot of answers came out. And one of the elders in our group said, uh, and we were studying, studying through a Bible program, and he said, one of the best ways, if not the best way, is to love their mothers dearly. To love your children, men, love your wives dearly. Yeah. And, um, and uh, most, most of us guys, uh, including myself, are not very good at me uh, memorization of scripture verses, right? Any exception here? Yeah, it's tough. But most, yeah, Rick, of course. But most of us men would usually remember Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, which is, Wives, submit to your husbands. Right. But I'd like to encourage all the guys here, what we should actually memorize is Ephesians, same chapter, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And how did Christ, or how does Christ love the church? Selflessly, sacrificiously. And this is uh, what I like to say about Mother's Day. And, uh, well, let's all go now for refreshment and uh, some networking. Right? That's the key message for the day. Um, but what I'd like to do today is uh, to take you a little bit through my own personal journey as I study the Word of our Lord. Um, my family, uh, we came to Beijing in um, 2003. Uh, we were one of the first eight to ten families uh, that was gathering together in a basement here, one of the expats in uh, uh, Lemon, Lemon Lake uh, compound. Uh, that was how CCC was started. And throughout the years, we were really privileged and honored to be able to serve in our own little ways here at CCC. Uh, we have uh, Rosie, my wife, is sitting back there. Uh, Rosie, please wave to the, uh, to, to the congregation. Uh, she was and still is the most beautiful woman I ever laid eye on. And as the years progress, as we walk closer to the Lord, she is still the most beautiful, but more in her heart more in her heart as she walks uh, closely with Christ. 
Uh, our two daughters, Stephanie, she's 23 this year. Kimberly, she's preparing for her final IB year, preparing to go to college. She's 18. Uh, they are back in Singapore. Uh, they were, all four of us were baptized here at CCC. And it's been a real privilege over the years to serve together with Brother Rick, uh, Tom Lauder, and Robin Hill, and John Gates. Um, what I'd like to do today uh, is to uh, share with you what I've learned from the book of James. The book of James is an extremely, actually it's a short book. How, how many of you have read the book of James? So let's have a show of hands. Okay, that's good. That should make life pretty easy for me. Um, but what is interesting is that compared to Paul, who has written a lot of the letters, the epistles, uh, Paul was writing to the Gentiles, the new believers uh, throughout Europe and uh, Asia Minor. But James was writing to a different crowd. He, is, he was writing to the scattered flock of the Jewish community, the Jews who became Christians, who became followers of Christ. And uh, James, this James is a different James from John's James and Peter, right? James, the son of Zebedee. This is James, who is the half-brother of Jesus. Um, um, I would be terrified to be James. Can you imagine Mary, my mother, telling me all day long, James, why don't you be like your brother Jesus? It's a tough act, a really a tough act to follow. He was a non-believer until after the resurrection. Yeah, just a little bit of the background so we understand how he approached the, the subject matter as we go through the different chapters. Um, and uh, he was one of the 120 at Pentecost uh, who received the Holy Spirit. But more remarkably, uh, this young man became the pastor of the Jerusalem church. And this was the letter to his congregational members who were scattered, uh, especially after the persecution by Saul, who we know later, uh, who became uh, Paul. Now, the, um, uh, what he specifically specifies here is uh, in the next five chapters, in the five chapters, we're going to look at about what is the evidence of true faith? And what do we mean by having works of spiritual maturity? Uh, in each other chapter, basically, I've uh, summed it up into a key message. Chapter 1, we are looking at true faith is evidenced by growth through trials. Uh, how many of us look forward to having trials? Any takers here? How many of us uh, could be most probably in a trial now? Many of us, right? The job situation, schools, rebellious teenagers, illness, other setbacks. 
and to be obedient and to be a doer of the word. Um, my own little journey uh, took place in the year 2007, which is exactly 10 years ago. Prior to that, I was uh, going on the right of my life, which means even though I was a believer for over a decade, I was still kind charting my own agenda. And uh, rising through the corporate ranks, having all the fine things in life, the other fine things in life. And in 2007, um, my wife was, uh, was uh, challenged uh, medically. And uh, we prayed, and I left the corporate sector. And over the next four to five years, uh, we went through our own period of spiritual growth. The beginning was extremely challenging. And here, I'd like to quote uh, verses 2 to 4 from the chapter 1 of uh, James. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. Now, the first key issue is that God has everything planned. We may be in pain right now or going through the whole process of it or coming out of it. But what is important for us to realize is that as we go through that journey of pain and suffering, and remember, Jesus never promised us freedom from pain. He promised us freedom from... Freedom from the whole or the power of sin. He delivers us from sin. So as we go through pain and setbacks we must remember that eventually He promised us proximity, intimacy with Him. And as we go through it, we'll develop perseverance and spiritual maturity. Now, my only little take here is that um, on one hand, I'm out of the corporate world. I had no resources. On the other hand, I knew, very important, my family has to thrive spiritually. So I spent more time with God, I read the Bible, and one of my little things is that even though I was with Christ for over a decade, I quickly realized I was actually still in elementary school. Do, do we sometimes have that feeling? Now we might be walking with Jesus for, what, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years, and something hit us, and we read his word, and we say, man, I've read this about six, seven times. I've gone through a couple of Bible study programs, but this is what Jesus meant. And so, that's why in this book of James, it's so important for us to understand that even with the Jews, and especially those that were 
very close to Jesus, living near Him, having seen Him, having met Him, and yet not stepping up in our maturity advancement. And of course, the Word of God reveals His wisdom. We should always ask God who will give us generously without finding fault, and it will be given to Him to us. Uh, in verse 19 from chapter 1 of James, I would like to emphasize here verse 19. Um, um, I, I, I was a type A corporate, hard charging uh, kind of guy, you know, and uh, most of us, and especially men, um, my biggest commonality with the congregation today is with the men, right? So I'm going to say, you guys, we guys, you men, huh? so bear with me, guys. We men usually love to speak more than we listen, isn't it? Huh? We, we are kind of structured to always give commands, tell the kids, do this, do that, you know, and why we should do this and do that. Now, what I'd like to emphasize here is through these five years of the, of the journey that my wife and I, we went through as a family, I've learned to, the, to listen more. The Chinese call, call this qing, qing ting, qing ting, listen, and slow to speak and slow to become angry. And uh, he teaches us here to do what it says, to become a doer of the word. And uh, we move on to message two in chapter two. True faith is evidenced by works of genuine love. Uh, we want to specify here on our partiality, impartial obedience to His word, and genuine love. John Calvin said, Faith alone saves, but faith that saves is not alone. What does he mean by this? Faith alone saves. We are all saved by faith through the grace of God. But faith that saves is not alone. We are expected as believers, believers who have walked with Jesus for a number of years to produce works. And works here is defined as Genuine love for brothers and sisters. And uh, especially at that time, he was telling the congregation, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. In those days, a lot of the Jewish believers, they are kind of biased. They're usually the first row in church, the first row in a gathering are always reserved for those who are richer, who are more well-known, right? So my brothers and sisters here, <laughs> I would like to go look at what sort of cars you drive later. But no, everybody in CCC can sit where they want to. Everybody is welcome. This is what he wants to tell us. 
no believer is more equal than the others. Even if somebody comes in with a pair of flip-flops, and of course, I know the young, youngsters do come in flip-flops, we are to accord them the same love and respect as we would Brother Rick. Regardless of authority, regardless of creed, regardless of color of his skin. And, um, and uh, even, uh, but for me, during that period, and uh, there is still a progress, a work in progress is, what about those that are really tough to love? The tough cookies, the hard nuts. You know, we meet all these people every day at work, in school, on the roads. This is really tough. I'm not going to tell you I have passed this test. It is really tough. But here I have a great role model in our brother Robin, who unfortunately is not feeling well, too well this morning. He went home. Robin and Joyce are truly our role models here, exhibiting genuine love for others. They took in the disadvantage. They took in the discarded and put them in the first row. And I'd like to quote from 2 Samuel chapter 16, verse 12. Uh, this is from King David. David is a man after God's heart, right? And here he was fleeing from persecution. He was fleeing from the rebellion by his son Absalom. And there's this guy called Shimei. Shimei. Uh, he is part of the Saul clan, King Saul's clan. And he was throwing rocks and uh, uh, throwing uh, curses at David. And David said this, It may be that the Lord will see my distress and repay me with good for the cursing I'm receiving today. I will always remember this when I meet and encounter the tough cookies and the people that are really difficult to love. That even David is looking beyond that to the goodness of God. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20, I'd like to read the following. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. And in verse, uh, verses 15 to 17, James wrote, Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well. Keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Um, back to Robin and Joyce. Yeah. It is so easy for me to always reach down into my wallet and, and give a donation. 
I have gone beyond the stage of debating how much to give. I'll be very straightforward with you, brothers and sisters. I've gone beyond that stage about saying, should it be 300 kwai, 1,000 kwai? I let God touch my heart. But what I'm still struggling with and I have to learn and grow in this is to spring into action. When somebody needs warm clothes, I'm not just going to give a donation. I will give a donation and I have to do something about it. When I see that somebody is in danger, do I just open my mouth and speak or do I go do something about it? Um, so so uh, this is what I, my takeaway from message two. In the third chapter, James goes on to tell the congregation about the wisdom of the tongue, developing our faith through the wisdom of the tongue. And in verse one, not many of us should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. I'm going to be judged very strictly, very strictly, so I have to be, be careful to watch my tongue. We all stumble in our many ways. Now, it's not only me who, who, who are judged by strict standards. All of us who are in authority will be judged by strict standards. The elders the deacons, pastors, parents, teachers, we who teach the Word of God, especially to our children, will be judged more strictly. The tongue, in verses 5 and 6, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great bows. The tongue is also a fire in a, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire. How significant is this? And then in verse 13, James goes on and gives us very good advice. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. What is James trying to uh, teach us here? is that a controlled tongue is the mark of a perfect or spiritually mature person. Whatever comes out of our mouth reflects the condition of our hearts. And here, over those years, uh, when we had two teenagers, young teenagers at home, and teenagers usually don't give us feedback. Or they wait till things are going over the cliff. Then they will give us feedback. They observe. So we as parents, the condition of our hearts and what comes out of our mouth are so, so critical to the development of our children as God-fearing children. It's so important. This was a journey I went through, and um, I can't claim complete success here, but I'm, we, Rosie and myself, we are blessed that we had no open rebellion at home from our teenagers. No open rebellion. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm uh, privileged to share with you that my older daughter, 
uh, Stephanie, who is 23 this year. Uh, she, she grew up in the church here. She was in the youth group led by uh, John Sorrell. Uh, back in Singapore now, after she's, ex she's a very active participant in the young adults group. She's a leader there, and she's currently uh, mentoring lots of uh, young ladies in the youth program. Uh, and, um, and again, thanks to the wisdom of uh, Jesus and his word, that, uh, that we are able to claim uh, victory over the teenage years. And message three, I'd like to leave you with this word uh, from verses 17 to 18. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, Peacemakers who sow in peace raise the harvest of righteousness. Uh, this is pretty similar to, uh, to the verses in uh, Galatians chapter, uh, chapter 5, verses 22 to uh, 23, which is the fruit of the Spirit. It's pretty much the same. When we lead a good life according in submission of humility and obedience to the Lord, we sow righteousness and especially in our, in our children. In chapter 4, James moves on then from the wisdom of the, of, of the words we speak to how we can become more mature by being separated from the world. And here, there are two components we like to look at, spiritual warfare and how we can have claims or steps that we can uh, implement to have victory over this. Verses 1 to 3. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You do not have because you do not ask God. You do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. How many of us, including myself, struggle all the time that God is silent. God, why are you not giving me that job that I want? Why am I not receiving a confirmation from that university that I want to go to? God, why? Why are you quiet? Because we ask with the wrong motives. When our prayers are only selfish requests for the fulfillment of early desires for pride, pleasures, popularity, power, or possessions, they will not be answered they will never be answered because it's not His will for us. It will, worthy desires makes us enemies of God. So James went on and here he's coaching us on the ways we can be victorious over this. We, I have to humble myself before God. What is humility? Humbling ourselves means humility, right? 
Humility means to admit our own weaknesses and our need for God. It's no longer my agenda. It's God's agenda. Give in to Him. Submit to God. Submission to God means submitting to His will. Over those years, the way I prayed has changed from, Oh Lord, please, please let me have this. And hopefully give me an answer by next Friday. To, Oh Jesus, if this is your will, open the doors and give me peace. Affirm your will, Father, and that all resources be made available. Submit to God. Last but not least, James coaches us or coaches congregation, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Being Christ's follower does not make us exempt from attacks by Satan. Right? But Satan has a big weakness. God is omnipresent. Jesus is everywhere. But Satan can only be at one place at a time. So we believers, when we submit to God, we humble ourselves before God, and we resist the devil, and we resist him every time when he says, one more beer is okay. One more whiskey is okay. Oh, that is a beautiful woman. Look away. We look away. Look on the floor. When we approach a beautiful woman coming towards us, men, please look away. And never give in to the temptation that because I'm a Christ follower, I will be able to resist. No. That will be a call for the devil to come in. So always resist. Always, always resist and he will flee from you because you will be, we will be hard nuts to crack. He doesn't want to waste time on, on people that he has no success with, Right? Um, last chapter in mass, uh, the message 5 is true faith is evidenced by dependence on God. Away from sinful dependency and towards spiritual de dependency. So to continue my stories, I left the corporate sector and after a lot of praying and wise counseling from my fellow brothers in Christ, I stopped answering calls from headhunters to go back into the corporate world, uh, to go chase the next IPO, to go chase uh, the next uh, big pot of gold. Uh, so for the last uh, eight to ten years, uh, I'm uh, doing uh, executive business coaching and uh, angel investing in enterprises that are started up by young executives, but with a core mission of reaching out to them of reaching up to them. Uh, I've been privileged and honoured to be able to sow lots of seeds 
and uh, have been honored to be asked to be harvest, harvester uh, in a number of occasions, and this is what I will continue to do. And, um, and as we move towards spiritual depend dependency, uh, we want to seek the truth of God, lead a prayerful life, and um, be like Robin, who is very Christ-like, to exhibit genuine love to people around us. Before closing, I would like to uh, give a couple of practical applications that we can follow. I still might not put up my hand right here to say I welcome trials, but, but, you know, but the hand is up. Because as, as we go through trials, the Chinese say, you get polished. And as you get polished, you become doers of the word. You become doers of the word. We are not just learners. Genuine love for brothers and sisters. Um, why don't we do this in reverse afterwards? Instead of I staying out there in the coffee area afterwards and giving each of you a hug, why don't you guys all line up and give me a hug later on? <laughs> Genuine love for brothers and sisters. Uh, watch our tongue. Extremely, extremely important. No matter what you want to say, always ask yourself the first question. How will my children react if I say this? How would they take it? Apply the three steps to victory. Humility, submission, and resist the devil. And over the years, I've learned too that it's so important every day that we pray for the Holy Spirit to fill us up. You know that you know that sometimes we can be running on a, on a half tank huh? as we go through, especially the streets of Beijing. Not only your gas tanks goes down, the Holy Spirit's feel of the tank goes down. So always pray for a full tank of the Holy Spirit. Last but not least, to be an active participant in the Great Commission. How many of us do not know what I mean by the Great Commission or would like to find out more? Everybody knows, huh? Okay, I'd like to have somebody uh, explain it. <laughs> you would like to explain it, sir? Or just in your own words, what is the Great Commission? Oh, you're lucky. She, she wants to take it. What's the Great Commission? Amen. This was the words recorded in Matthew chapter 28 when Jesus said, Go, you all, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them 
to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So go out there and touch others' life through the good life we will be leading. That we will be leading. Uh, I'll, uh, thank you again for the opportunity to reach out to you today. It's still a journey that I'm growing. Hopefully, we'll be growing stronger in spiritual maturity. Um, and uh, I'd like to close uh, uh, with the Lord's Prayer, if you'll pray together with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.